So I would say it was a couple of weeks ago that I turned my TV on and a commercial came on that was promoting a movie that was recently released in Hollywood called The Devil's Do. And uh, it's a movie that talks about the Antichrist being born. And I was shocked at first to see what I was uh, watching in my living room. And it was just a stark reminder to me of the world that we live in, of how in our culture and society today, there is a lot of unholy things that are promoted that is glorified. And this was one of those things where where I looked at it and I see where, where sometimes people are just lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God in our culture and in our society today. Where if it's good, then it's bad. And if it's bad, it's good. And I want to take a look for a second at Phil Robertson um, from the Duck Dynasty show. Now I never really watched this show, maybe maybe one one time or so, and I didn't know a whole lot about um, this family or what the show was even about. I thought maybe they did a lot of duck hunting or something. I've heard about it, but I never saw it. And Phil Robertson is kind of like the, the, the leader of this family, and they have uh, a very outspoken family with their, their faith and their beliefs in God and what they believe. And Phil Robertson was in an interview with someone, and they were asking him a series of questions and uh, one of these questions, his answer, he, he quoted the Bible. He quoted what, what he believed, what, he, uh, what, his, what his faith, he was sharing his faith in what the Bible said. And they couldn't wait to just take him out. Immediately he was withdrawn from the show. It caused controversy. It seemed to be a pretty big deal. And uh, I like how the family came together and they supported each other and they did it very humbly and they did it very quietly, but they were going to stand their ground for what they believed in. But they did not like the fact that he was quoting the Bible. They did not like what he had to say. Or you can take a look at Candace Cameron Burr now that she's married. But uh, when, when I was growing up, she was on uh, TV on Full House. Her and her brother, Kirk Cameron, they are both very outspoken uh, in their faith and, and believers. And she recently wrote a book. And in that book, she talked about um, her beliefs in being a submissive wife to her husband and how she thought that was the best uh, way for her and to be in her family and supportive of her family. And she took a lot of heat for that. A lot of fiery darts were being thrown at her. Just for stating her beliefs and in, 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 in what her biblical beliefs and what her faith meant to her. They did not like that. 
But she quietly and humbly also stood her ground. And she wasn't going to back down. But you see, the darker it might get in this world, the brighter the light shines. And that's the beautiful thing about God is His, 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 His light that He puts inside of us. It has the capability of being so bright. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You see, in the last five years of my life, I've been seeing this more and more in our culture and society. And I'm not sure if it's because that it is growing more and more in our culture and society. That may very well be. But I think also my eyes are opening up to it. Maybe it's a combination of both. But I see how these things are so promoted in our music today, in TV, in movies, in Hollywood. You see, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his purpose. He has 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he is planning to take out whoever he can take out in whatever way possible. I believe this battle has caused destruction in people's lives, in people's families, in marriages. I believe that maybe today there's some of us walking around in in addictions, in bondage. Maybe defeat. Maybe it's destructive patterns. Maybe it's discouragement. And so what do we do when we're in a battle? What do we do? And I feel like God was saying we should fight. That it's, it's time to prepare. It's time to get ready and it's time to fight. You see, the courageous men and women who join our forces to defend this country for our freedoms and for our rights so that we can live here unlike any other country almost and be free. Those folks, when they enlist, they have to leave their house, they have to leave their family and their friends, and they have to go to what's called basic training. And they have to go through an intense training for about eight weeks. Very intense. The uh, amount of sleep that they get is way less than probably what they're accustomed to. 
the food, when they get their food, they only have minutes to eat it as fast as they possibly can and then move on to the next training. And see, they know this and they understand this, that they are being prepared, that they are being raised up for if they ever have to fight that war, for if they ever have to go to battle. And they know that their very life depends on this. The, the training that they're receiving, their very life depends on it. And so does the life of the person that is battling to the left of them and to the right of them. Their very lives depend on that also. They become close brothers, sisters, usually for life. And I feel like we need to take our spiritual battle with the same intensity, with the same understanding that is our responsibility to prepare, to be raised up, because our life depends on it. If spiritually we are dying, our life depends on it. And not only that, but the person to the left of us, or the person to the right of us, or our kids, or our family, they depend on it too. Prepare for the battle. Let's take a look at Ephesians 6, 10-17. We have a lot of Scripture to go through today, so uh, let's buckle in and, and let's hit this head on. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on. You see, what I see a lot in this scripture is that there is action on our part that we have to put on, that we have to stand firm, that the armor is not just going to fall on us, but we have to put it on. So therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. Stand firm. Kind of like when when we're getting ready for someone to, to charge us, you know, you don't just kind of, we don't just stand there, but we get ready and we kind of brace ourselves and we spread our feet apart and we get down and we get ready for something that's coming at us. I feel like, like that's what they're saying here. They're saying really stand. And, and when, if it's so hard, you can't stand anymore, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So he gives us armor to put on and he gives us a sword to do battle with. That sword is his Word. That sword is living and it's active and it can do a lot of damage. See, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers of this dark world whose very intention is to enslave 
all of God's creation. And when I look into the world, outside of the church, I can see that happening right now. Let's take a look at Romans 8, 28-31. I love the idea that we can do battle with Scriptures. So very important that we can do battle with Scriptures. This is one of the Scriptures I love. I think it's important for us to do our best to try and put some Scriptures into our heart, into our mind. I think it's important for us to take our Bible and read it out loud throughout our house over our kids, over our rooms, over our family. The more that that's done, the more that things begin to change because there's power in it. And this Scripture says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. So right off the bat, we see that God will work out all things for good for those who love Him and for those who are called according to His purpose. All things. Not some things. Not once in a while. But all things. If we love Him and if we are called according to His purpose. So even when we make a mistake... One time I was talking to someone who's like a mentor of mine and I thought I had really made a big mistake. And he said, you know what? doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Because God works out all things for good. And if you love Him, and if you are called according to His purpose, He will work your mistakes into His plan. And then it says that we are predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. In other words, we are to continue our walk forever to become more and more like Jesus. And the good news is that God is the one that comes and does that inside of us. He changes us. He transforms our heart and He renews our mind. All we have to do is just step into it. And we have to engage in that battle. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in His response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? No one. No thing. No battle. No addiction. No destructive patterns. None of that can be against us if God is for us. What a great Scripture to do battle with. Let's take a look at Isaiah 53.5. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by 
his wounds, we are healed. This is Isaiah writing this down, prophesying about Jesus coming and why Jesus was coming. Obviously, Jesus came for our salvation so that when we die, we go to heaven and we can be with Him and we can be with God and everything is perfect from there on out. But there's more to it than that. He came for us to have peace today. He came for us so we could be healed today. So that our bodies could be healed. So that we could be spiritually healed. He came so we could have freedom. He came so that we could walk in freedom. So that the light that is placed inside of us can shine bright. And so that everyone else in this world that may be walking in that darkness can see that light. You see, we are on the winning side of the battle. The battle's already been fought on a much larger scale and Jesus defeated Satan. And His only hope is to prowl around and try and trick our mind. To try and trick the way we think. To deceive us. To desensitize us. In whatever way He can. You see, these are things that I had to learn as I dealt with my addictions, with my bondage in my life. And some of those I dealt with for 18 years of my life. Addiction and bondage that I I honestly never thought I could probably get out of. And it's not that I'm not battling anymore. Don't get me wrong. It's just my battles today are different. He wants to give us freedom. He loves you. He loves your family. He loves your neighbor that doesn't love Him. I believe, there's no Scripture basis for this, but I believe that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, He saw each one of us. Each one of us. As He was hanging there. And as He died for us. Let's take a look at Galatians 5.16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit. There's that battle going on inside of us all the time, isn't there? Between our flesh and our spirit. In our flesh, it sees what's going on in the world and it sees how some of that could be fun and exciting and it, it, it consistently wants to go after that. But God says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify those desires. If we go a little further into Galatians 5, through 24, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Now these fruits of the Spirit, that's the byproduct of living in the Spirit. This is what we begin to see. This is what begins to happen in our lives. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just the opposite of what I read in the beginning in 2 Timothy. 
Just the opposite. And you know what I see when I see this? I look at this and I say, man, I need, I need work on my patience. And you know what's beautiful about this? You pray about it. You, 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 you see that, then you know it's attainable. And, and the more you, you, you read the scripture out loud, and the more you cultivate your relationship with God, and the more that we put our faith in Him, the more He comes and He literally starts to change us. And pretty soon in a month or six months or whenever it is, I start to have a little bit more patience or a little more self-control or a little more peace inside where once I had none. Live by the Spirit. And we will see the fruit of the Spirit. But let's take it a little further. Let's go to Luke 3, 8 through 9. Produce fruit. What's fruit? Fruit is when we live by the Spirit, we produce fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. See, I used to think a long time ago that repentance was I, I, I would make a mistake and so I would ask for forgiveness. And then next week I'd make the same mistake and I would ask for forgiveness. And then next week I'd make the same mistake and I would ask for forgiveness because that's the way it went with me. And that's part of repentance. But the actual definition of repentance is to turn from that thing and to turn to God. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Let's go to John 15, 1-4. There is an awesome promise in here that I want to highlight when we get to it. It says here, I am the true vine. This is Jesus uh, talking to His disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now listen, here's, here's his promise. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remain in Jesus. He remains in us. Keep with repentance, we will produce fruit. This is how we win that battle. God literally comes, He changes our hearts, and He renews our minds. And the battle, that tough, dark battle, it begins to get a little easier to fight. As I was praying this week, 
um, for today. God just, he, he gave me a picture. And like I said uh, in the first service, I, I didn't quite know if I was to share that picture or not. But I believe that I am supposed to. And so I, I will share that picture right now. I, he, he gave me a picture of this boat. And it was in the middle of the water. And it was dark out. And it was a huge storm. There were huge waves crashing all over this boat. It was like a, a small boat. And it had a little light on the front. And the light was pretty dim. Now it was a storm and it was a little foggy, but these waves, they were huge. And this boat would come up to the top of the wave and it would about to, to, to go over and the, the wave would kind of crash and break on it. And I, I was thinking, man, this boat's going to sink. And then it would go down in the bottom of the swell. And I was looking for the boat. I'm like, God, what happened? Did the boat sink? And then the boat come back up. Another huge wave, and it was doing this over and over and over again. It was being tossed around like uh, just a little rag doll. I thought for sure at any time that boat was just going to break apart and it was going to sink. But then it got perfectly still, and the water was as clear as glass. And it was light out. And the boat was sitting there. And it would rock. And the ripples would go out from the boat in every direction. And it would just keep going. There was nothing stopping it. And it would rock again. And the second set of ripples would go out. And it continued to do this. And I believe that that boat, that boat is some of our lives. And that light, it's having a real hard time shining. And the battle's tough. But then God comes and He does a work. And regardless of our circumstances and what it looks like on the outside, He comes and He makes it calm on the inside. And those ripples, that's the people around us seeing the work that God's doing. Why don't we uh, we'll have the prayer teams come up and we'll close here. You know, maybe today there's some someone here who feels like you're in this battle. You're in this storm. And maybe the battle seems so tough, so overbearing, so dark that there's no way out. Or maybe we've stopped battling altogether. And I'm here today to say that we serve a big God who absolutely loves you, who can move mountains. He can move mountains. He came so we could have freedom. He came so that we could walk in the peace that goes beyond all understanding. So today, maybe today is the day we start battling again. Why don't we close in prayer?
Father, I, I thank You so much for who You are. I thank You that You are above all. That You are bigger than anything we could face. I th- and I thank You that You sent Your Son for us to die on the cross for our salvation, for our freedom. Help us to battle, Father. We know that we don't have to do this alone. We know that You are right here with us and that You have a plan for us. Help us to engage. Father, I pray right now that if You're, if you're touching someone's heart and, and that, that You want them to come down for prayer, that You give them the courage and the strength to do so. God, we thank You for who You are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.